Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we actually get a little bit of cold weather uh, here in the metro Atlanta area finally, uh, which is a welcome departure from uh, those those muggy days, huh? Well, I'll take 90 and humid any day, but that's just the <laughs> New Orleans girl in me, I think. But it, it's refreshing. The air smells good out there. Yes. Well, and uh, it should still be uh, summer because your UGA football, your UGA Bulldogs are still in, uh, still have some big, important football games to play, right? We have a long way to go. I am going to hold my breath the whole time. <laughs> well, best <laughs> of luck. Best of luck. Well, hey, Allison, today on today's live stream, we'll be talking about creatively finding new ways of capitalizing your business in the new abnormal, which is a big tip of the hat to our dear friend, Kavan, who's the first person I heard use that phrase. Allison, we're going to be touching on a few ideas of, of adding to the bottom line for your global supply chain or global business. Um, and who is not looking for great ideas here for 2022 as we plan for next year, right? Yep. Got to think differently if you're going to get anywhere. That is right. And, and you know what? You got to think differently and you got to take action. As our dear friend uh, Nate with Ratelink shared one time, stop eating those Krispy, Krispy Kreme donuts on the recliner in your den. You got to stand up, uh, take the football and run with it and take action, right? Yes, you got now, it. That was quite a t-shirtism that Nate dropped on us on that live stream. <laughs> but hey, uh, today we've got our friends from Esker joining us here once again. You know, Allison, we're big fans of the one and only Dan Reeve, right? Heck yeah, he's great. He is. He is. And some of the, some of the great stories that he always brings. And he's brought along a leader from LSQ, which is an organization that's truly changing how companies think about working capital. So stay tuned for what promises to be an informative and intriguing conversation. So Allison, and we also have a fun warm-up conversation, a question which I'm going to save here for just a second. But uh, I got I to gotta ask you, Allison, uh, as we approach in the year, we're halfway through December, which is crazy. Any big holiday traditions other than your, your heck of a world-class gift card that I got, holiday uh, Christmas card I got in the mail. Uh, but beyond that, any big traditions in the Giddens household? Uh, Given's household, well, I do a massive cookie baking extraordinaire. So that's going to come up this weekend because I distribute cookies to everybody out in the shop. And it's typically a, a bag of cookies. So it's not just one or two. <laughs> so uh, I'll be covered in flour and the kitchen will be a disaster area on Saturday. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Pictures or it didn't happen. Let's see here. I'm going to say hello to a few folks as they tune in. It's a busy week. I'm sure everybody's everybody's trying to knock out what's left on their to-do list before they break for the holidays. But we've got Jason Hopkins tuned in via LinkedIn from Washington, D.C., uh, where all the movers and shakers live, uh, Allison. Oh, yeah. I love D.C. I love D.C. Yeah? when You just got back, I want to say. I just got back. DC. Yeah, yeah. I went to go see some friends of mine in the cybersecurity space and stayed in McLean, Virginia, and before that visited to D.C., actual D.C., D.C. So, yeah, I'm there a couple times a year. 
Love it. Love DC so much. You, you, you can never see everything you need to see and, yeah. and donate as much time as you need to. I was just talking yesterday about Arlington National Cemetery, which you know, I think we spent a whole day last time I went there and still wow. you know, it's just such yeah. an experience. Um, oh, yeah. But Jason, hope this finds you well. Thanks for tuning in here today from DC. We have Sarah tuned in via LinkedIn from Orlando, Florida. There's just a few attractions down there in Orlando, isn't there? A couple. A couple. There's like a mouse or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, there is so much to see in Orlando. Sarah, thanks so much for tuning in. And, and Sarah, since you live in Orlando, you know, is there one of those attractions that, don't, that doesn't get old? I'd love for you to drop your response there in the comments there. Maya is tuned in via LinkedIn from Detroit. Motor City is with us here today. Have you been to Detroit, Allison? I have. I have. And you know, it's kind of a, there's some hidden gems out in Detroit. I got from some friends that thankfully I got the inside scoop of some restaurants and some kind of less touristy things. And Detroit's kind of cool. Yes. It's pizza is really cool too. The real stuff, not the. Oh yeah. I know how not, you get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. Hey, if we don't, if we have a show without mentioning pizza, it's not really a show, is That's it? That's true. Or tacos. That's right. And I've heard a lot, uh, Maya, about the resurgence in Detroit last few years. So um, thanks for tuning in here today. Look forward to your POV. Uh, Anna is tuned in from Chicago land via LinkedIn. Anna, great Eating to have you here pizza. today. Anna, you have the best pizza. I love Chicago <laughs> pizza the best. I, I just love Chicago. I love its yeah. pizza. I love its its markets. I love its downtown. I love all of, all of its various districts. It's just such an awesome global city. One more comment here. Jason says, I guess he's not from DC. He lives there now. He's originally from Alabama. I wonder Allison, if he's a Bama fan. Oh no. Jason. Auburn. From what I understand, when you're born in Alabama, you, you have to pick like right when you're born, are you Alabama or are you Auburn? So <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hear from Jason on that. <laughs> it's like registering to vote. It's a lifelong commitment. <laughs> That's it. It's done. Let us know Jason on that. Uh, Sarah says Disney world is her number one, even though she lives in Orlando. That's a, that's a great, great pick. You can't go wrong there. Maya says, yes, Detroit, we are cool. I'm with you. I, I am with you. I look forward to visiting Detroit soon. And Anna, yay to pizza. You fit right in, Anna. You're, you're one of the family now. Okay, one final comment before we bring our speakers in. You Jason says, roll tight. We knew it. that there, didn't we? You knew it. Well, <laughs> Jason, unfortunately, is a Georgia Bulldog. I'm going to have to, uh, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's what we do, right? Agree, disagree, and we welcome uh, Jason. Your and all of Anna, uh, Maya, all of you. Uh, look forward to hearing your POV and insights on today's conversation. So, y'all keep the comments coming from in the sky boxes there. Okay. So, with no further ado, Allison, are you ready to introduce our guest here today? Let's do that. All right, let's do this. We've got a big conversation teed up. I want to welcome in Vikas Shah, Chief Revenue Officer with LSQ, and our dear friend, Dan Reeve, U.S. Director of Sales and Business Development with Esker. Hey, hey, Vikas, Dan, how are we doing? Awesome. Oh, good. Is so good to see you. Uh, so uh, Vikas is out in the market making it happen. And Dan, of course, who moves at the uh, speed of a thousand gazelles. I think you are in Wisconsin today, right, Dan? That's right. A few days in Wisconsin, back to Colorado on Friday. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Hey, really quick, I want to say we got we got a special guest. Gene Pledger is tuned in from North Alabama. You see those letters he's got there? RT. That's 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 roll tide, I believe, Allison. But hey, Gene, great to have you here. Uh, always enjoy your perspective. And Jason says he forgives you, Allison, for being a UJ fan. Thank you. 
Thank well, you. hey, <laughs> so Dan is a real football fan. Your favorite team, Dan, is? I'm a fan of both both sides of the, both shapes of the ball. Norwich City is so in England. You support the team where you're born. Okay, that's right. just how, how it works. And if you if you don't do that, you get in trouble. I was <laughs> I was born in Norwich, which is the equivalent of Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's a very farming community, uh, flat. You know, right. Not good for a rock climber like me, but yeah, Norwich <laughs> City is my uh, English soccer team. Here in the U.S., first state I landed in was Wisconsin, and that's where I met my wife. So I married into a Packer fan. Sorry, Packer family. So I'm a Packer, Packer fan, and I'm a Badger fan. Well, and it looks like the Pack are going to be in the playoffs, I think. they got a, a fearless quarterback that's braved a variety of injuries. We'll see what happens there. And in a different sport, because you're a big Golden State fan. Is that right? I am based in the Bay Area, and uh, it's hard to ignore the Golden State Warriors when uh, when you're living there. I've uh, been there for about 15 years, and uh, it's been an amazing ride. Uh, I know it has. It's like they a dynasty. It is a dynasty. And, uh, you know, the 49ers always have the pressure to compete, uh, compete with that kind of popularity, but uh, the Golden States are definitely uh, one of my favorite teams. I love it. All right. So speaking of other things we love, we love talking sports here, but Allison, as as our opening uh, discussion lays out, we love talking about food, right? It's, it's so you got to find so many outlets to unplug from the stress that comes maybe with global supply chain these days. So I want to I want to pose a fun uh, warm up question with our panel here, Allison, Dan, and Vikas. And folks, it is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. So yes, there's a day for er everything. National Chocolate Covered Anything. So the question. And Alice, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll, we'll roll around the horn. What is your favorite thing to cover with chocolate? Oh, man. You could put chocolate on Brussels sprouts, and I would be like, <laughs> hey, give me 10. I, anything anything covered in chocolate. I was just I was telling the gang before the break, or before we, we all jumped on, that I just randomly got a box of chocolate-covered pretzels here at the office. I don't know who sent them. There's no card, but I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, apparently it was really good timing. Right. Well, hey, we we gotta we gotta trace that package. Make sure right? uh, there's no bad actors at work, Allison. We can't lose you. Um, and really quick, you've got you've got some supporters here. Julianne says, Thank "Go you dogs." Know, Julianne, I knew I liked you. <laughs> and uh, Sylvia, who literally is out there making supply chain happen, moving stuff, is tuned in from Charleston, uh, the holy city, where they've got one heck of a growing port. Okay. So keep moving right along because National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. What's your go-to? You know, I'm going to go back to my childhood days. I used to just love taking out slices of bread and just pasting that on with chocolate. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, man. I'm going to go with that. Uh, so did you put add anything else uh, or is it bread and chocolate? Just chocolate. Just okay. simple old chocolate. Anything I could find chocolate on a slice of bread. <laughs> I love that. All right. So Vikas, uh, you are... Uh, since that's more creative, Allison, I got to say Vikas is in the lead with his response to that question. But Dan, he's the wild card. Dan, what's your favorite thing to put chocolate on? Well, I've got to go back to my childhood too, especially as right now we, you know, the tree is up in the house and the girls have hung up all the ornaments. And I've said, well, what we really need to do is what I did in England as a kid. In England, you, you, you get chocolates and they have like uh, the Christmas wrapping. They, you know, you see, where's the camera? They're like, yay big. And you hang the chocolate liqueurs. So some of you may have had those little chocolate liqueurs, chocolate yep. and there's alcohol in the middle. Oh, what you yeah. do is you hang them up. And every day maybe you have um, a treat. 
So you get all there's whiskey, there's brandy, there's um, Cointreau, there's all different. Um, I, and I can't seem to get them in the US where they have the strings, you can hang them on the tree. Here's the story. When I was a kid, myself and my middle sister, about an eight-year gap, my, we used to sneak down, eat some of these, wrap up the wrapping, and put it under the carpet. Okay. Well, my mum found out, and then we we tried to blame our dog. We had a doberman. We said he had a hankering for chocolate and whiskey, right? And I, I think she kind of bought into it, but I'm not sure. Or she just played along. But we, we like, there's a dog. He, he's getting in the Christmas spirit, and he's, he's stealing the chocolates off the tree. <laughs> hey, I, I need to come hang out and, and celebrate Christmas and the holidays with uh, the, the Reeve family. It sounds like you'll have a great time. All right. So, And there's a couple suggestions from our skyboxes here. Anna. Bananas with chocolates and chocolate on chocolate. Okay. I like that thought, uh, Anna. Julianne says chocolate-covered gummy bears. Now, that's a new one. Ooh, that's a different one. And Morgan, chocolate-covered raisins. That's, yeah. that's certainly a classic. raisinettes, right? That's classic. I would just add chocolate-covered Oreos is one of the best things that humanity has ever invented. So uh, we were debating if they still – we're not sure if they still sell them or not. But when they hit stores in, I think, the 90s, man, they were uh, – hot 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 commodity yeah but okay. then it's like it's like seven dollars for a pack but then like the serving size is half of an oreo and so then you <laughs> then you have like three right. right i mean that's not that's not fun right it's not fun <laughs> when, when i hate i hate having to worry about serving sizes these days but uh alas that's where we are okay so we got to shelve the chocolate talk for a second because we got some really important topics to get through uh, not only are we going to talk about, uh, towards the end of today's conversation, a really cool partnership between LSQ and Esker, but before we get there, we're going to kind of get Dan and Vikaz's uh, take on what we're seeing out in the marketplace. We're going to talk about some of those pain points. We're going to talk about some of the things that business leaders are doing to address them, including some uh, some pretty cool, unique, creative ideas. And then everyone here is going to make some bold, fearless predictions of what we're going to see on in 2022 and beyond. So Vikas, Dan, and Allison, let's crank it up and get going. Sound good? All right. So I want to start with you, Dan. Uh, you know, we, we like the level set here. There's so much going on. And, and, and when we think about the conversation we're going to talk about here today, what are some relevant things you're seeing out in the marketplace, pain points? What, what are you seeing out there, Dan? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect on the PwC study that came out last week on liquidity and okay. the need for cash, and, and they said, hey, the market's moving from you know we've always used that term just in time, and now the term is just in case, and and basically what they were saying is finance leaders and supply chain leaders leaders are moving to a model where they they, they need to have cash available to get through mm. disruptions. They need to have cash um, available to to, to take advantage of opportunities. I'll give you some examples of what they said in that report. So they said, on average, day's sales outstanding has reached a five-year high. Across all industries, is up to 55, uh, 54.1 days. Hmm. Uh, they said they saw a trend where day's payables outstanding, the time it takes to pay, increased by 7%. Um, and they said, you know, so it's not surprising. Companies are having to manage uncertainties. I think I mentioned this anecdote on a prior uh, call with you folks where... One of my reps was talking to a, um, a manufacturer and they said, look, the reason, one of the reasons we need more liquidity is, you know, paying this, your supplier is important. You want to maintain your position in the queue more than ever. Some of the um, suppliers in China now are, are demanding you pay in cash, not pay within 30 days, but you actually have, mm. if you really want to maintain or advance your position and, and therefore take care of your customers, you might need to pay in cash. So overall, um, 
what we heard from PwC is that the need for liquidity is increasing. And it was backed up as well because the Credit Research Foundation said, you know what, what we're seeing is that um, the percentage of accounts receivable balance, your, your collections, has increased. And the amount of money that's now not paid inside 91 days has gone up. So folks are stretching their, their, their payment terms. And I think Vikas mm. is an expert and he can talk a bit about a bit, a bit about that. So the need for liquidity, because prices are going up and you need you know you need you need maneuverability to, to navigate the supply chain challenges is, is going up. Right. And a lot of that what you're speaking to, Dan, puts pressure on our suppliers, puts pressure on uh, the supply chain. So I look forward to kind of unpacking some of that as we get through. Also address, talk about some of the solutions and some of the magic salve that can address some of those pain points. So uh, Vikas, let's get you to weigh in. When you, when you survey the market, especially when it comes to supply chain financing and, and the, the bottom, the precious bottom line, what are some, some of the things you're seeing, including pain points? Yeah, so we uh, we spend a lot of time with uh, finance professionals, procurement professionals, and supply chain professionals. Um, one common theme that Dan already touched upon is just the high demand for working capital across all those personas. And this is for businesses that are both mid-size and large. Uh, you yep. would expect only small and medium-sized businesses are clamoring for cash, but it's actually not quite true. Even large companies want to make sure that they have very favorable working capital positions. Uh, the second piece is that everyone wants to hold on to their cash much longer. Right. So yes, there's demand for working capital, but they want to hold on to it as much as they can because they just don't know what's going to happen, uh, especially with everything that's going on right now. The third piece is that we've seen a reverse effect in inventory levels across companies. You know, back in the day, everybody talked about inventory optimization and companies wanted to reduce the levels of inventory. But now, because of the supply chain squeeze, companies are stocking up. Right. And when you stock up inventory, you need capital. You need a lot of working capital. And where is that going to come from? So we're seeing a lot of that happening. Um, another interesting aspect um, that we see as a pain point in the market is just the dearth of talent and bandwidth at some of these companies. Digitization automation has definitely helped everybody to cope up with remote work. Uh, however, some of these companies are just struggling to keep up with the demand and with talent shortages. Uh, so we've seen a lot of that happen. And the final point I'll make is uh, there is there is an absolute need, absolute need across diversity and minority suppliers to continue to grow their businesses. Uh, we're seeing a huge surge in demand from that population of the supply chain market where these suppliers genuinely want to grow their business and they don't have adequate solutions to do so. Mm. Man, the cost just on the, the, those five points you shared, we could create a whole series uh, to dive in deep. That, that's so much good stuff there. Everyone needs it. One of your first points there, not just small and medium, the, even the big folks need it. Hoarding, whether you're hoarding cash or hoarding inventory and beyond and the dearth of talent, you know, Thankfully, digital transformation is stepping in there. And then opportunities for all is what you finish on there. And how can we ensure that we're powering that and they have access to, uh, to to cash and financing so that they can grow and take advantage, seize the market, seize the opportunities. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. All right. So, Allison, uh, between Dan and Vikas, what did you hear there? Um, the theme definitely of the cash is king, right? I mean, it's kind of always been the case, but... All, I think more than ever, all the uncertainty, all the question marks, 
I think we, many of the small business owners, at least for in, in my experience, we all still a little gun shy. We're still, we're still a little PTSD from, you know, March of 2020 of realizing the world was about to shut down. And it's like, okay, am I ready? You know, here, here comes the ice storm. Do I have milk, bread and eggs or what? Right. Um, so yeah, th there's definitely some, some themes there of that. I, I really liked the just in time moving to just in case. I think that that sums up the situation a lot for what I'm seeing. Doesn't it? And and I think the hoarding, the hoarding that, because, uh, um, you know, when, when we've heard hoarding reported on, mostly it's on the consumer side, right? How many of us here had a garage full of toilet paper? Um, but at uh, Vicus's point, there is lots of hoarding when it comes to inventory and, uh, you know, those cash reserves, that liquidity. Um, okay. So let's do this. I want to I want to take this comment here. Yes. Uh, so Anna, I appreciate the feedback. Hey, Vacas is out there making it happen, closing big deals and big partnerships. I bet he's in an airport somewhere uh, where things, big things are getting done. We're going to try to work on that. So I promise you, sometimes things are just outside of our control. But I'm so glad you're tuned in here. Uh, Sylvia's talking about chocolate covered coffee beans. Man, talk about bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and uh, Seema, I really appreciate uh, you being here today. Thanks for sharing news and ideas, really valuable conversation. Hey, just wait. We have a lot more to come. Okay, so now that we've kind of shared some of our observations of what we're seeing out there, especially from a pain point standpoint and, and uh, what's going on in the industry, I want to I present the love story that always is problem meets solutions, right? So I want to start with you, Dan. What are you seeing companies and business leaders do to address these needs, these dynamics, these pain points? You know, what are you seeing? You know, if I think about some of the, the um, this is applicable to all sides of the company, but I am seeing those companies that run shared services, GPS, global business centers, they are looking to provide more automation, more efficiency. Let's be honest, I think a lot of companies are onto a second wave of automation. They probably mm -hmm. have some kind of digital technologies in place. They had to put that in so people could work from home or maybe they put that in when they established their shared service originally. But now I'm hearing from folks, um, shout out to um, you know, the SSC leaders out there. I'm hearing folks say, it's not enough. Now we're under pressure to do more within our shared service. So we don't just do payables or order management process. We might support the business with HR and other, other functions. Or now we're un under pressure to, to help the CFO, uh, the C-suite, to free up working capital. Because maybe we earn early, more early payment discounts, or maybe we have better control of our, of our cash flow. Maybe we we can chase, work out where we need to apply more effort, more focus, more insights to go and collect the money that we're owed more effectively. I think one thing we're seeing is that the the mergers and acquisition activity has gone up. Well, one, if you're going to go and buy companies, you need money to do so. Right. And two. You probably need tools in place that when you do buy them, you know, IT are often a little bit, how many IT departments have you spoken to that aren't burnt out, aren't overworked, aren't juggling 50 million projects? Right. Well, now you're going to go and buy companies that have various different ERPs and different tools. And what we hear folks saying is, look, make it easier on us. If we could have a tool that will work with any ERP, I haven't got to embed that technology into the ERP. But just make it easy so that we can free up the CEO or the CRO to go and do these acquisitions that they want. Um, so, um, 
making more the, pressure on the shared service leaders, what we're seeing. Gotcha. And, and one of your latter points there, you know, whenever acquisitions happen, you've got the wiring of the organizations, right? And what I, part of what I heard you say there is finding technologies that, that, that help make that wiring and the integration much easier and safer, uh, especially in this, in this uh, cyber environment we're in, Alice, that you alluded to earlier. So let the, the decision makers not let that cloud their judgment and not let that prevent uh, organizations from seizing opportunity as well, Dan. So to that end, Vikas, uh, uh, Vikas same question for you. What, um, how are you seeing business leaders you know, navigate through this environment, address these pain points, and frankly, thrive? Yeah, hopefully this is not too noisy. But um, one of the things that business leaders are really looking for as a solution that technology companies can help them with is ease of use, flexibility, and choice. Mm. So when you look at the working capital challenge in the market, um, we're really we're really up against the backdrop of very traditional commercial lending solutions that are ripe for disruption right now. These solutions have been in place for decades, and the existing providers are not able to service the stakeholders effectively in a very intuitive manner. So there's a massive opportunity for technology-enabled financial solutions to essentially provide flexibility, choice, and ease of use to all right. of these stakeholders. So from my perspective, more and more conversations I'm having with all of these folks, it's all about how are you making my lives easy with technology solutions that are easy to use and gives maximum choice and flexibility not just to my customers if I'm trying to optimize AR, but also to my suppliers as I'm trying to optimize AP. Yep. And maybe we'll talk about a couple specific things that gives the buyers and the suppliers both some relief. And I'll pose those to uh, to you and Dan in a minute. But hey, Allison, what are you hearing? I mean, with, with Dan and Vikas, what are you hearing there? Some common themes, again, are the, are the flexibility or needing flexibility between the problems and said solutions. I think um, both um, both Dan and Vikas have spoken to the workforce challenge, the dearth, the burnout of, of people in general. And that has, especially in the IT space, and that's a great example, really lent itself to saying, okay, in terms of problems and solutions to be met, whether it's in the finance space or IT space or whatever whatever space it is, there's that delicate balance of you have to not be something to everyone because you can't be, you can't, you can't work for everybody. But at the same time, you've got to be present and you have to be available to show that, hey, look, we can be flexible and we can help to solve the problem that you're having in by offering this kind of solution. So it's there's there's a lot. There's a a ton to unpack there. Agreed. And and you know what what you're speaking to there, that's what makes organizations that embrace and offer that flexibility. Those are the organizations that folks want to work with or those organizations folks want to supply or buy from, you name it. So with that said, and, and uh, Vikas, thanks. looks like you you found a new position. Hey, that is a true supply chain practitioner there. Problem, meet solution, in the moment, decisive action. I love that, Vikas. So Dan and Vikas, we may touch on this when we talk more about the partnership between LSQ and, and Esker, but you know, supply chain financing, dynamic discounting, Dan, is any you want to shed some light on on those uh, opportunities? Yeah, I think what we've been seeing we've seen this even pre-pandemic. Now, some of the CIOs I'd speak to would say, "Dan, 
we're getting burned out here. Um, I remember talking to an enterprise architect several years ago and he said, look at this map, Dan. This is 350 suppliers we're supposed to manage. It's impossible. And so uh, often when we get into conversations, you know, I can see there's a moment, there's a slide we pull up where the, 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 the finance leader, the supply chain leader, the CIO sees, hang on a minute, there's, there's, there's opportunity here for me to manage multiple processes through an application that helps us with order to cash and procure to pay. And I like to say, yeah, our mission is to free up your staff to go and want to enjoy their work and be rock stars that can better serve your customer and your supplier. But that can go further. And, and I think that includes things like make it easy to onboard, on, onboard new suppliers because you may need to get product and raw materials from other places. Make it easy for those suppliers to come on board and, and work with you. And um, what we, we saw as well is folks, just as the pandemic hit and people started to say, okay, I'm not going to... Um, um, I'm not going to go in the office and pick up that that check from the supplier, or we're, we're not going to allow people to pay us um, through checks anymore. That was again back to that sort of first wave of the change right. we went through. Now I think companies have very much realised hey, there's an opportunity here. There's a serious opportunity to to, to convert the um, finance department, not just accounts payable, but the finance department to be a revenue generation source. And to the burnout point. Um, Jess Shear, who's the executive director of IOFM, that's an AP think tank, um, he has said, look, in the future, you really are going to have to hire people and give them um, work they enjoy. Or, and, and that could be transforming the organization into, be a, into being a best-in-class profit center where collections is really effective and efficient. Um, paying suppliers is, is, is a really efficient and a, mon a, a moneymaker. And he said, if you don't, um, if, you, if you're offering the, the type of work where folks are coming in, uh, you know, I'm not sure, keying in data and it's manual and there's no, there's right. no value add and it's not seen as enabling the company to, to go forward, it's not seen as, dare I say it, sexy, he says, you ain't going to attract the new talent. You're not right. going to have talent you need. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times now I look at projects that are going ahead and I'll speak to my reps and say, so what's the bottom line? Why are they doing this? What's the big picture? And increasingly they're saying, somebody in that organization is retiring. And the new folks, we want them to do a different work, more, more, more work that is of value to both to the company and the supplier. And also, they're not willing to do what, what the previous generation was willing to do. There's right. a lot of that going on right now. And, and the reality is, you could say, well, should that be enough reason to act just because one person's retiring? Well, who's going to do the work? You know. Right. So, so I think what we heard is, uh, certainly from our own customer base and others in the industries, they said, and uh, Vikas can talk even better about this than I can, <laughs> hey, we want the ability not just to pay supply, not just to pay suppliers, but to, to do it faster, do it electronically, and to to make it a win-win for both parties. Yes, you know, to your where you started there, there's not nearly as much check picking upping that there used to be, right? For a variety right. of reasons. So, Vikas, uh, whether you touch on something that Dan shared, or you know, this this supply chain financing dynamic discounting that uh, that is 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 more and more prevalent these days. What what else, what else would you offer up? Yeah, I would add to what Dan just mentioned is that if you're in if you're in the B2B business, which means if you're in the realm of interacting with other businesses, you almost have to think about figuring out how you can add value to your counterparty. Your counterparty could be a customer or your counterparty could be a supplier. And inherently, because of that kind of relationship, you are in the business of managing B2B credit and managing B2B risk. 
Now, people think about risk just on the supply chain of uh, supply chain side of things, but risk also exists on the customer side of things. Right. You know, if you've given customers terms and the customers don't pay on time, then you have an inherent risk because now you're waiting on your customers to pay you and you can't pay your suppliers or can't pay your employees. So if you're in the business of B2B, you are in the business of B2B credit and risk management. So when you extend that concept to supply chain financing specifically, addressing your question, Scott, we have a great example of a company that I just talked to this week. We talked to the chief procurement officer and the CFO, and they said, supply chain financing is an imperative for us as a management team, but it's also an imperative for our board. We cannot continue to operate without thinking about how we can drive value for our suppliers. It's not just about moving payment from point A to point B. It's not just about making sure that they get paid. It's also making sure that our suppliers are healthy and they have effective and affordable access to capital. And we have a role to play here. And if we can't play that role, then we are impacting the future of our own business. And that's why it's a very important management and board directive. So supply so, chain financing is, is a definitely a hot topic across management teams and boardrooms at this point in time. Because I love that perspective, very frankly, that is next generation stuff, you know, and Allison, I want to get you to weigh in here in a second, but, you know, finding and holding leverage and hitting your suppliers over the head, that is thankfully dying and dying and dying, you know, because we've got to have it to your point, because healthy supply chains, healthy suppliers, suppliers that, you know, dare say it, make money, right? And have good margin. And so they're motivated to be even a better supplier. You know, they get paid on time. You know, they're, they're so, um, I just love the next generation POV that you and Dan both are speaking to and with employees, you know, finding ways of, of new positions, you know, automating the tedious stuff and finding new ways of, of getting them to um, uh, participate and contribute to the business in a more rewarding, fulfilling, creative manner. Allison, whether it's supply chain financing and, and healthy supply chains, which Dan and, and Vikas is both speaking to, or the employee experience side, which is thankfully very uh, growing in importance, what sticks out to you? Um, I think the psychology of it all. So I think we're, we're more likely to prefer to help someone who we think either we think has either helped us already or that can continue to help us, right? I mean, it's just kind of a human nature thing. So I think that as the supply chain challenges that we all face are still here, they're gonna be sticking around for a little while. And as that's, especially in the small business world or even the medium-sized business world, as we watch the, the risks that we have to manage from the supply chain base, it, what what I personally, as a small business owner, I'm looking at, okay, who are my customers that I know I can rely on them to pay me so that I can continue to deliver on their parts? And I think going forward, we're going to start looking at things a lot more that way as business owners or people in finance, you're going to be looking up and down instead of just, like you said, the leverage of popping the suppliers on the head. It's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot more back and forth and a lot more looking ahead in order to keep looking behind you to see how you can continue doing the work that you're doing. Well said, Allison. And one, one of the quick aside, uh, as Vikas started his response all about risk, because of course, risk is, has only gotten more important at the board level as he was speaking to, but 
you know, I, I spent some time working for a major food distributor, right? We, we um, sold, delivered food to my mom and pop restaurants uh, across the country. And as we placed the orders, the truck would roll up. And if those restaurants would owe, it would have to clear credit before any of that food was rolled off, even if it was the smallest of orders. And a lot of times I was having to plead my case to, you know, take care of our restaurant, but it's really important, right? Uh, otherwise, you blink and you're over leveraged and you've got more risk, you know, up to your neck. So uh, I really appreciate uh, because your comments there, as does Michael Dillon. I appreciate that. Michael via LinkedIn, great information. Love the perspective from both. Uh, I agree with you. Seema says, thanks, Dan. We can relate to your post pandemic and pre pandemic perspective. And Abdul Rahman, really appreciate that. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Uh, let us know what you're seeing out in the marketplace and what you're seeing organizations do creatively to tackle financing for growth, uh, acquisitions, risk, you name it, and employee experience, which is so important. Okay, so up next, Allison, Dan, and Vikas. We're going to get y'all to break out your crystal ball because we want to look into what's coming, right? Coming attractions. We all know, we, we probably know some of the challenges that are coming. They're, they're very regular. And then you'll have some surprises. That just goes with the territory, right? So I'm going to start with you, Dan. Then I'm going to put you on the spot first. So when you look deep into your crystal ball, what future disruptions are you seeing in 2022 and beyond? I don't know if you use the, word, use the word disruption. Clearly, there's a disruption. People haven't can't stay where they where they have been. Right. That's not. That's you know, there's a migration, a forced migration. I'll tell you some trends. I think are going to happen. They're already in place. But um, increasingly, I think finance leaders and business leaders they want the visibility of and you know typical CFO. The, the CFO he or she is going to want visibility and controls and to manage risk across their their organization. And especially if they buy new organizations, they quickly want that that visibility and control across all ERPs, all systems of record. But I think what you're going to see, what we're already seeing, is folks saying, ah, you know, the accounts payable and the receivables department, they didn't often talk. But now we're starting to rub shoulders in the hallway, you know, or we at least do talk to one another and listen to each other, be it physically or virtually. And because, you know, there's value. If we, if we know um, how much liabilities we have and what we need to pay, and if, to your point, and if we know that oh, some of those suppliers will take an early payment discount um, because they're hungry for cash and we can help them, great, that's good to know. But but we still know what are our liabilities in the short and medium term. We don't need nasty surprises. They can they can um, impact our ability to invest in, in R&D, research, sales. It can imp even impact our stock price. So knowing what's coming is important. At the same time, receivables yes you know we, we need to be checking suppliers for risk and, and customers for risk and bring us that insight all in one place but i also want to know well which customers can i typically rely upon which customers do i need to put a bit more work and some automation to get them to pay do i need to put some things in place where it's you know i can make it easier for them to pay my maybe an auto payment online and by the way they actually see me in different light now because i'm easy to deal with for their right. staff that's good um that's a you know um, positive sum game. I want, as I put these efficiencies in place, it should be a positive sum game where both the, the my staff enjoy their work more. It's easier. They can free up and go and do more valuable type things. Customers and suppliers are like, yeah, okay, we're enjoying working with you. There's, there's value. It's easier. So what I'm seeing is this trend where not only do folks want all this insight in one place, they want to reduce risk and, and know of their risks because things change. We've seen that both on the customer side and also on the supplier side. But they want to be able to bring all this into one place and say, right, um, 
I'll give you an example. What I'm hearing is folks saying, well, you've got all this data. You know how hungry all our suppliers are for cash. Which ones are more likely to take a virtual card or to, to sign up for a supply chain finance program? Or, um, you know, who could we pay earlier and, 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 and get a reward for doing so? Right. Or the last point is on the receivable side, okay, uh, are some of the customers we deal with paying us a little slower than they pay others? You know, it's almost like that benchmarking. Is, is there room for me to move the needle just a little bit more here on the collections and treasury side or a little bit more over here on our uh, payable side and procurement side? Yep. So, you know, some of what I heard you say there, going back to, you know, we've mentioned talent a couple of times. You know, we all probably are familiar with employee uh, employers of choice, right? Companies everyone wants to work for, right? And we also know how tough it is to vie for talent these days, get them, you know, get them hired, get them onboarded, keep them retained, keep them engaged. Well, what I'm hearing you say, Dan, is we can take advantage of these programs, these financing programs, and use that to vie for suppliers, especially in this day and age where we're looking to, to diversify our supply base for a variety of, of contingencies. And you can use that to be more appealing, to be more easier to work with, to be to get their money on time or get it in a way that they want it uh, earlier, even perhaps there's all kinds of different levers you can pull is what I'm hearing there, Dan, because if you could, if you could comment on that initially, and then let's get into your, your prediction for 2022. Are you seeing companies you know, use these factors to uh, basically recruit uh, new suppliers? Absolutely. It's actually happening both on the customer side and on the supplier side. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, your ability to provide credit and manage credit on both sides is going to be a competitive advantage for you as a business. If you're not able to do that, then you're going to be left behind. A great example is of a manufacturing company we just signed last week. The chief procurement officer or the head of supply chain there essentially said, we're losing suppliers because some of these suppliers are getting paid faster from other competitors. Wow. So I need to have the supply chain financing program right now so I can pay my suppliers in 24 hours through your solution so we can stay competitive and make sure we retain and attract those suppliers. And, and that's a very powerful statement. And, and we're seeing a lot of that happening. So as much as we want to protect and retain and make sure they're happy employees, we got to protect and retain suppliers too and make sure we're, we're being seen as that uh, – um, easy to work with uh, organization. Okay. So Allison, why don't you, I'm, I'm going to come back to you, Vikas, for your prediction for 2022. Really quick though, Allison, based on what Dan and, and Vikas has already shared and you're, you know, you lead a manufacturing organization about some of the stuff is, is resonating with you. What sticks out? Well, especially that the concept Vikas talked about with the supplier vying for suppliers. So not only do you in a sense have to have inside sales for customers, but you need to have inside sales for your suppliers too. And <laughs> I, I can kind of see that happening long-term. Um, but I think that the hot issue for me right now that kind of intertwines a lot of the finance discussion is about the big question mark unknown of taxes. Um, corporate slash business taxes in the U.S. right now are very questionable as to what the future holds. So whereas a lot of companies may see some pretty significant increases that will affect cash flow on um, quarterly, annually, however you want to look at it, it will affect cash flow. So in in a ter in turn, that's going to affect what your everyday payments to your suppliers look like and what everyday insight 
of, of your of your receivables look like. So that's crystal ball wise. That's that's on my radar. If if it's not on others' radar, it probably should be. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, because I'm gonna finish with you. But before I do, uh, in terms of bold predictions for next year, I want to. So Jason Hopkins, you've got a lot of great questions. I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to get to them here. We got a few more things we're gonna tackle. Uh, we'll make sure that information gets to our panel here. Um, want to welcome in uh, Jose. Great to see you here from Southern California. Really enjoyed your your coffee-based live streams, logistics supply chain with coffee. Let us know if you want to drop in the comments your most recent one or an upcoming one. We'd welcome that. But Jose, I hope this finds you well here today. Michael, I appreciate the feedback here. Thanks for the informative share, reassurance, the common themes, innovations, and challenges around financing. Thank you for that, Michael. Great to have you here today via LinkedIn. Okay, so the costs. You're the, I guess there's not a cleanup hitter in basketball on the Golden State team, but uh, you're our cleanup hitter today as we talk about what to expect next year. We can probably guess a little bit based on what you've already shared, but put a fine point. What else, what else are you projecting for 2022 and beyond? I got full points for everybody. Um, I'll keep it simple. Banks and traditional lenders are getting disrupted and there's a huge opportunity for finance technology platforms to play a pivotal role in the future to provide elegant ease of use and flexible solutions to all corporates when it comes to financing. Yep. Number two, every platform company, whether you're in finance or not, is thinking about embedding financial services and products for their stakeholders. Number three, working capital optimization is a top, top, top priority in most corporates and a solution provider who can provide analytics, insights, and visibility to C-suite stakeholders to help them better manage their working capital is going to be in a pole position to command market share. Number four, data and credit expertise is going to be a unique differentiation. So it's not just about moving money from point A to point B but what kind of underlying intelligence do you have about the transaction relationship between that buyer and supplier pair that you can uncover, you can benchmark, you can learn and provide data and credit insights that are going to help these businesses optimize a bunch of business objectives. So gosh, there's so much there. I want to say that just getting the transaction done and just paying your suppliers, folks, that's no longer good enough. It's no longer good enough. You got to go more strategic than that. And you got to build a bigger value proposition and on the, on the customer side too. I don't want to ignore the customer side. And also, by the way, Allison, I love, I can tell, I can tell this from our pre-show conversations. Vikas is a numbered list uh, guy. And I love that. <laughs> He's speaking right to our heart, right? Heck yeah. Bullet. I love him. <laughs> Bullet points. Uh, okay. So with all of that said, let's talk about, the, this new and and Michael Dillon home run. Uh, the cleanup hitter comes through with a home run. Uh, Michael Dillon, thank you for sharing that uh, with the causes comments there. So let's talk about, so LSQ and Esker, y'all get together. Uh, you've got a new exciting partnership, but the organizations are on the grow for sure. Dan, I'll bring you back in the conversation. Let's start with you. Tell us what this partnership's about and where, where is it headed? Well, it was certainly to support uh, the requests that were coming from our existing customers and, and, and enterprises globally, uh, which was part of, you know, it ties into this idea. Some may have seen ESCO talk about ESCO pay, make it easy to pay your customers, your, your suppliers, where they're at, 
through you know various different mechanisms and increasingly that trend is electronic so you know and, and as Vikas talks about that's and, and as Alison said I've definitely had enterprises say to me we're trying to compete by being easy to deal with for our suppliers you know so there's a there's a big focus on that so what does it do it allows for example folks using the ESCO payables platform they may be using payables receivables or management if the payables organization the procurement organization right inside the ESCO suite can launch payment and they can see when payment's going to happen they can make it easy for the uh, the buyers to choose how quickly they want to get paid early and, and what kind of a discount they take but what that really means is for folks using the ESCO platform it's a fintech play. It's the opportunity for the, the payables, the procurement folks to save some money. Yes, as we've talked about here, there's the opportunity to um, take care of the supplier, pay them quickly, but there's also an opportunity to lower the, 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 the cost of goods sold because you're not paying quite as much for um, um, that process. And I think the other thing is a lot of people, even if they're, whether they're using the ESCO technology or not, increasingly, Laying, laying on this type of fintech play means, hey, we can we can totally get a return on investment on this technology. We've, we've paid for this 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 innovation in you know inside six months. So there's a, right. a lot of interest in that. Lots of options and added value. Those are great things there. If, but but you got to go looking for it, right? You can't do business as usual. And I don't think we all none of us need more motivation in the last couple of years. Vikas, what would you add when, when, as Dan kind of laid out what the partnership's all about? What else would you add there? Esker is a leader in process automation when it comes to procure to pay and order to cash. Um, they've invested years and years of technology, intellectual property, and expertise to add a lot of value around that aspect for mid-sized to large-sized corporates. Our partnership really allows us to leverage ESCA's capability around process automation and marry that with you know, our data and credit expertise so we can provide very innovative working capital and embedded finance solutions to our joint customers. That is quite a dynamic duo between uh, LSQ and Esker. So um, a lot of new supply chain financing, innovation, uh, options, flexibility that you are bringing to the market. So I look forward to uh, keeping our finger on the pulse and uh, reporting what comes out of this uh, dynamic partnership. Allison, when you hear Dan and Vikas talk about what they're doing together and, uh, you know, again, at leading a manufacturing operation, a lot of these things probably speak firsthand to you, but but what, what, what excites you? What's exciting to you about this partnership between these, these two forces of nature? It's exciting to hear that they're trying different things. It's um, it's really tough to know what you don't know, right? It's hard to ask the questions that you don't know to ask if you don't know the answers that you're seeking. And so it's kind of, it's really cool to see these two companies particularly work together to figure out, all right, what's not out there that needs to be out there. It's, you know, finding those commonalities of problems and then figuring out the solution. So I think that's what's definition of crazy, doing the same thing over and over, <laughs> expecting different results, right? Right. So so doing something different is kind of what you got to do. I agree with it. And, you know, I like how they have uh, defined the art of the possible and then built, uh, you know, built uh, a partnership, but also built the, the technology wherewithal 
to execute and and realize the art of the possible. So uh, this will be an interesting um, uh, relationship and partnership to track in the months to come. So to that end, and by the way, thank you, uh, Jose. Thanks for dropping that in. Uh, he hosts Coffee Break Logistics. He's got some leaders with Jodas and the one and only Allison, I think you know, Bill Stankevich is going to be a guest on Jose's show. That is outstanding. Thanks Wherever for sharing. Bill is, there's a party. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Dan and Vikas, I want to wrap here today, making sure our uh, that our listeners know how to connect with you both. Dan, we've enjoyed your uh, uh, numerous appearances here on Supply Chain Now, uh, talking about your exploits as a kid. Uh, hanging out in in the military hangars, almost almost pulling the ejection sheet that uh, ejection seat. That was a popular story. But uh, whether they want to hear more Dan Reeve stories or tap into you know all the different ways that you are helping companies automate in a seamless, easy to easy to work with manner, uh, how can folks connect with you? Sure, you can catch me on Daniel.reevedesca.com uh, or catch find me on LinkedIn. And um, happy to have a chat and you know understand what you're seeing. Um, see if there's an opportunity to help or not. Outstanding. And I can't wait to hear the latest on your, um, on what the holidays look like at the Reeve household. Bring those stories next time. Uh, and I got to find some of those chocolate liqueur Christmas tree ornaments, right, Allison? Heck yeah. I had those years ago. A friend of mine came back from Europe and brought them and, and you made me think about it, Dan. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to find those Scott. Yeah, we got to find that. Uh, just keep them away from the dogs. But Dan, thank you so much for being here today. Love what you and Esker team are up to. And our newest best friend, Vikas Shah and the LSQ team. Big thanks. Uh, by the way, we should thank everybody behind the scenes. Big thanks to Bree and Matt and Mike, Amanda and Clay for all helping to make the production happen here today. But Vikas, how can folks uh, pick your brain, that deadly uh, combination of financing and supply chain? How can folks connect with you and LSQ? My email is vshah at lsq.com. We have a lot of information at lsq.com. And then you can also hit me up on my LinkedIn profile. Wonderful. It's just that easy. And, you know, the only thing you surprised me there is you didn't say I had three things for you, because that would have, that would have been perfect. But uh, I really appreciate how both of y'all have, have shared, uh, shed some light on, on perhaps uh, either supply chain financing and new ways of offering new value for uh, customers and suppliers, although that's all the rage in the boardroom and in out in industry, you know, it probably gets undercovered when it comes to uh, conversations like this. So I really appreciate what both of y'all brought to the table and uh, thanks for your time here today. Again, we've been chatting with Vikas Shah, Chief Revenue Officer with LSQ, and our dear friend Dan Reeve, U.S. Director of Sales and Business Development with Esker. Thank you both. All right. And notice how efficient they were. We're it's it's twelve fifty five, and despite everything that they shared, I love uh, how uh, it was like executive style today. Yeah, heck yeah! It was the what do they say? Um, bottom line first, right? I mean, he was like, "Here's what you got to know," and now I'm going right. to come back and and give you the details. Yeah, that's right. One of our favorites here, and uh, so Allison, out of all of this information here today. Thank you, Sam. I really appreciate you being here today. Kind information you guys delivered. Looking ahead for more live presentations in the future. Big thanks there. I appreciate that, Seema. And Sylvia, hey, I, rarely do you find us and amazing in the same sentence, but I appreciate that, Sylvia. And by the way, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's to one of our longest uh, listeners and Skybox uh, participants. We hope to have you back on with us soon. 
And Sarah, appreciate uh, you being here today, uh, you and Maya. So really appreciate that. Okay. So when you think about everything that was shared here today, Allison, everything, we, we kind of, gosh, we ran from chocolate and pizza, uh, <laughs> the uh, basketball and soccer, all through some of the coolest and newest things happening across the world of supply chain financing. What's when you, when you, um, unplug from this live stream today, what's one thing that you may still be dwelling on in the next few days? I think it's like a 50,000 foot view. So the conversation, the, all the different places it went, it reminded me that the past, whatever, two years, I guess we're going on two years now, right? Yep. I don't know, 15, 16 months, the, the past that amount of time has really been all about survival, right? It's all been like, okay, just got to make sure that I can meet, meet par, right? Just we're working hard and we feel like maybe we're working harder to maintain. Yep. But the conversation today made me think about, okay, we've got it. We got to get above and beyond what we're doing now. We've got to do things differently. We need to stop thinking about tomorrow and start thinking about next month. So there, there's a much, there's a, a wider perspective I think we might need to all take. And, you know, it's tough, especially when you're dealing with what a lot of people in supply chain right now are dealing with, which is, right. you know, I just got to make sure today is okay. I just got to make sure today is okay. But getting today, yeah, if it's going to stick with me. It's all going to be about, all right, forget about today. Today's right. already been decided. <laughs> what are we doing next month? I'm with you. Uh, and you make a great point because so much is focused on getting meeting production today, getting products out today, right? Because that, that can be really challenging, as we all know. And what sticks out to me is in this age, uh, and I got to tell you, I haven't, haven't given it that much thought, or enough thought at least, in this day and age of consumer experience, right, where we're constantly being evaluated in a new, uh, more stringent manner, right, because some of the e-commerce players, kind of the standards and expectations they've created, we talked about the employee experience today, and we all know how how that market and that topic has evolved greatly. Uh, we touched on some of that today, but you know the supplier experience, folks. We got to love on our suppliers, right? They we've seen what the last couple of years, as, as you're speaking to Allison, have done to uh, the global supply chain, right? And all the uh, thousands, tens of thousands of suppliers out there. You know, suppliers have a vote. They have a choice of who they partner with, and you've, we've got to start acting in a next generation manner. And I think that's a lot of what we spoke about here today. All the options I wasn't even aware of when it comes to uh, supply chain financing. So that is going to stick with us. But Allison, as we start to wrap, how can folks connect with Allison Giddens, in particular, the nonprofit that you lead, the Dave Krejci Foundation? How can folks connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. We um, find me on LinkedIn for sure. Very active there, uh, Allison Giddens. Uh, my nonprofit that I run on the side is the Dave Krejci Foundation. We help kids play sports when their families can't afford it, focused in Metro Atlanta. So we're also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. I love it. And you definitely don't want, you want to follow Allison across social. So beyond leading manufacturing uh, company and beyond uh, the great nonprofit work, she is funny. She is she, she is a uh, certainly a, a I'll call her a humorist, but it's really good stuff. Uh, and I like your the book reviews that you drop across LinkedIn on a regular basis too. Lamont, hey, really appreciate this. Uh, great information, very insightful. Got to head out. Happy holidays, everybody. Lamont, I really enjoyed you being a part of these live streams these last few weeks. It's great to connect with you on LinkedIn. Okay, 
But folks, we're going to have to leave it there for now. Uh, big thanks again to everyone behind the scenes helping to make production happen. Big thanks to Vikas and Dan for being our featured guests here today. Big thanks to my my co my partner in crime, my co-host here today, Allison Giddens. Y'all make sure you connect with her across social. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all of you out there. Hopefully you get a chance to unplug and reflect and plan as Allison is pointing out. But most importantly, challenging you to do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.